Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this week comes from Luke, the 8th chapter. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to see Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is one of those texts you know pretty well, but as a preacher, sometimes you're like, what am I going to say about that? (laughs) The demon possession uh, by legion, the pigs running into the lake, what is all going on here? Well, uh, let me unpack it for you a little bit. or at least uh, share some thoughts I have uh, on this gospel passage. And particularly, uh, let me begin with how some people have reinterpreted uh, these texts in our modern day and age. Back in the day, there was really no such thing as the field of psychology. Uh, That didn't really come out. Psychology hasn't really been developed as a field of study until the last uh, 150 years or so. And so with modern uh, kind of views of mental health and understanding of things, many folks have revisited ancient stories like these. 
and seeing people being seized by demons. And, you know, the man in this particular story, you know, uh, like you know, by modern diagnoses, could be suffering from paranoid schizophrenia or, or another neuroses of that sort. Now, I think uh, there's value in interpreting these texts and seeing how we understand the world around us and bringing that understanding to the texts. And yet, on that particular one, I uh, am a little wary of where folks go with that and why they are so eager to um, kind of retro-diagnose the mental health and the situation. Because I think a motivation there is to maybe explain away the evil that is present in the story. It is very much important to the story that the man was possessed not by one demon, but by a legion of them. And so the desire of modern critical eyes to just explain away the evil, I think, uh, I think this does a sort of disservice to the text as it comes to us from the ancient times. Now, there are other interpreters who maybe respond to that uh, with kind of more of a literalistic lens. That, no, this must be a real demon, and this must be a real exorcism, and there must be real pigs who were um, then possessed by this legion of demons, and they must have really ran into the lake, because that's cool. I don't know. (laughs) Now, uh, there's, there's value there in the sense that they take the evil seriously. They take the exorcism seriously. They take the reality and the details of the story seriously. And yet, there can be limitation in re- applying such a heavy, rigid, literalistic lens to texts like these. Yes, this can be true, all the details of the story. But is there more to it? than just seeing the reality of evil? Is there more to it than just seeing the power that Jesus has over demons? Is there more to it than a lot of pigs got possessed and then ran into a lake? End of story. Is there a greater, deeper meaning here as well? And I am kind of inclined to that interpretation, that there is a certain metaphor here, a certain allegory here, Where, yes, I do believe we should take this seriously. And at times, I do think there are elements of um, our texts that speak of mental health issues that we would maybe write about and talk about differently 2,000 years later. And yes, at the same time, I think this text does beckon to us to see the reality of evil. And more importantly, to see still that Jesus at every turn and the goodness of God has power over the evil in our world and the evil in our lives. But yet this story in particular has uh, some unique connotations and unique underlying contextual details that we may miss unless we dive a little deeper in our time. The, The land of the Gerasenes was out of Judea. These people were not Jewish. They were Gentiles, as the Jews uh, would call them, not descendants of Abraham. As such, they were not uh, confined to the kosher laws, and maybe that's on display as they have herds of pigs readily at hand uh, for the demons to run into and uh, take hold of. 
That would probably not be the case in Judea. Uh, the Jewish diet didn't make for good pork business. I don't know if I would ever be a good Jewish person for the amount of bacon I eat, <laughs> the amount of ham, the number of thick pork chops I just love to indulge in. <laughs> um, in uh, as we heard even from our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah, throughout the Jewish mindset, both ancient and modern, the kosher laws forbid imbibing and eating pork. Their loss, I guess, Gentile gain on that one. Uh, um, but this is, uh, the, the pigs represent uh, something very real here. Something very real, that they are outside of the covenants of Abraham. And particularly, they also represent that they are connected to the greater Roman world in which they all lived. And that is very much uh, represented by the name, Legion. It is ascribed to these demons. Yes, it, legion on the one hand does mean many demons, but it is also a military term for the standard Roman unit of military occupation. So Jesus, in a way, was not only confronting the power of the devil here, but he was confronting the imperial powers of their oppressors and overlords in their time. The story kind of serves as this subversive, metaphorical, allegorical story of God being greater than the power of Rome. Now, we may not see this as such a big deal since Rome, at least the Western Empire, has long since gone from our midst. That power has already been disrupted basically once and for all. And yet in their time, it was very much the ruler of the day. And in the minds of the Romans themselves, the imperial system was the will of the gods. After all, how could they take over the Roman world and bring their Roman peace, so to speak, if the gods were not at their back? They were in surprisingly intensely religious people, believe it or not. And so uh, Rome's enemies and um, those who were considered to be uh, subversive and seditious were not only subversive against the Roman rule of law and politics and system of the day, but they were also considered to be fighting against the gods themselves. In the mind of the Romans, uh, the gods were at their back. They had the gods' favor. And... The Roman peace was a divine peace. Jesus didn't think so. Jesus didn't think so and resisted the powers that be in his time and place at every turn. And this is a just really a kind of deep, powerful metaphor here that we have of Jesus being among the land of the Gerasenes, healing this man of a legion of demons representing of the powers that wish to dominate all the small people, individuals, and countries like theirs. And Jesus sought freedom for them. Jesus fought, sought freedom for them from the demons and the evils that controlled them, but also the oppressive systems that people had constructed over them as well. This story comes to us on many levels and really is quite powerful. 
And sadly, the characters who I find the most dismaying in this passage are the neighboring garrisons to the man who is healed, the man from whom all that evil was driven out. He seemed to have terrorized them enough for years that they had to have him under guard all the time whenever he was around. They were afraid of this man, and they were afraid of the evil that was within him. And yet when that evil was driven out, they were more terrified by the freedom that Jesus brought. They were more terrified of healing the power of that good that could dominate this evil. I believe that another reason is that they saw that this was somehow subversive to the empire that controlled them. They, in a sense, preferred the devil they knew and the Savior who sought to free them from it. I think there is a real lesson that's uh, in there for all of us. That the power of God can truly be terrifying. It can disrupt us from everything that we know, from everything we expect in the world around us. The power of God is so much uh, greater than anything we can come up with on our own. So much more freeing and liberating. So much good that cannot be conquered by even the greatest of evil forces, by even the greatest of empires. The power of God in Jesus Christ is so much stronger and more profound than all of that. And yet, to many of our finite earthly eyes, a power that is nothing but good can also be just as terrifying. But brothers and sisters, I want to invite us here today to see the freedom that God provides. Though it may terrify us, upset everything we want and expect from our lives and the world around us, that miraculous power for good is something we should always allow ourselves to be terrified by. We should always allow ourselves to be terrified by God's goodness. Because when we do, we can celebrate with that man who experienced a newfound freedom and sanity for the first time in years. When we celebrate and revel in the terrifying power of God, we can revel and really lean into the love we have for one another, for our neighbors. We can really lean into true justice in the world, whatever that means for the status quo. And when we allow ourselves to be terrified by the power of God, we can also open ourselves to be freed by God's truly unending, eternally good, and also terrifying grace that we have in the cross of Jesus Christ, which will free us from the least of our sins to the greatest, now and always. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. 
If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.